guys, this is Amanda Mork, native Angelino, classic rock fanatic, and host of My Rock Moment. If you're a diehard classic rock fan and love hearing about unforgettable moments in rock, then this podcast is definitely for you. Join us for bi-monthly episodes as we connect with special guests as they share their unforgettable rock moments and stories that made them forever fans. And don't forget to head over to my Instagram at LA Woman Rocks for some cool classic rock photos and the stories behind them. Today we've got legendary TV host Tom Bergeron. He'll talk all about his favorite music moments over the years, from being an honorary pip with Gladys Knight and the Pips, to attending Garth Brooks' private listening party at the iconic Capitol Records building, to seeing A Hard Day's Night when it was released in 1964. He'll also recall some of his favorite musical guests while hosting Hollywood Squares and Dancing with the Stars, so it's a hilarious romp through his musical past. Definitely take a listen. Tom, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, you know, you need no introduction. Uh, you're a household name when it comes to television, so uh, I don't really need to say much there. But I met you during Hollywood Squares, which was 20 years ago. <laughs> I know you were you were in you were in preschool, if I recall correctly. You came in with a with a tour group. I did. Yeah, no, I sat in yeah. a corner in a dark corner yeah. at a little desk taking notes, watching all the, yeah. you know, the craziness and madness uh, happening in front of me and behind me, by the way, with uh, the EP. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so I was getting yes. it from all sides. It was really, um, those were real uh, years of growth, I would say. <laughs> I remember, I remember occasionally... Lot. Yeah, occasionally I'd be uh, at the podium uh, hosting, you know, we did five shows in a day and and I would look over to where you were off camera and occasionally you'd have this expression. <laughs> I'm glad most people can't see that expression, <laughs> but it was it was a horrified look. Oh, yeah. God. Well, no, talk about growing you, up fast. Well, you're just out of college and you were in the deep end of the pool right away. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was, yeah. but I was swimming. I was swimming. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> and here Absolutely. we are. Yes, I'll say it. 20 years later, since then, All you've right. finished up, uh, open your beer. <laughs> you've finished Hollywood Squares. You did America's Funniest Home Videos. And it's during its best years, in my opinion. And then, of mm -hmm. course, Dancing with the Stars most recently. So I know you. Um, and just given that, you know, I mean, you know, what a life, but I know you, and I could say with absolute certainty beyond those things, you have lived a very storied life. So I was excited to have you, you on today. Oh, my pleasure. Now this and is, I have to, uh, because I know that the focus of this podcast typically is rock, right? And yes. rock memories. And, and my, my musical memories are rock adjacent. Look, they're, they're music memories. And you brought some up That's to true. me. Okay, first of all, yeah. Hollywood legends that we all know, you've had some amazing moments with them uh, in the realm of music. Yeah. You talked about Gladys yeah. Knight in the Pips, who, by the way, are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There so, you go. That's fair. I mean, yeah. So heard it through the grapevine, their rendition. And everybody knows Midnight Train to Georgia. If you don't know it, you've been living under a rock somewhere. No pun intended. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. I want to I want to hear about some of these uh, some of these stories. All right, well let's Gladys start with Gladys. Pips. Gladys yeah. Knight. I, I was an honorary pip for a day. Uh, Gladys was my co-host for a week on a show I did uh, for Fox. It was an outgrowth of a cable show I had done for a couple of years on FX 
when FX first launched back in 94 called Breakfast Time. Mm -hmm. And it was based on the big breakfast in England. So it was a 6,500 square foot apartment made for television that had its own ballroom uh, of all things. So Gladys Knight was my uh, guest co-host for a week. And I think by about Wednesday, she made me an honorary pip. So I got to uh, sing a little backup with the other pips. And then later in the week, because everything was acoustic on the show, we didn't do any electric instrument. It was all acoustic if you if you play. And so she she uh, was on the couch uh, with Garth Brooks, uh, Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez. Uh, it was quite the little gathering, and and Garth was going to play and sing, uh, you know, play guitar and sing. And he told me as he looked over at Gladys Knight sitting next to him, and then he shot a look to me, and he said, "I'm really nervous." <laughs> <laughs> but how did you feel? Were you nervous? Oh no, I was in heaven. Are you kidding? Oh, I got to. I get to. Here's the thing: whether it was. Hollywood Squares with people like David Crosby or Garth Brooks or Trisha Yearwood, everybody in the in the squares that we had over the years, many of them uh, musicians, or something like this scenario on the Fox show, I get to be the host and the fan at the same time. I get to be the audience appreciating what they're doing. So no, uh, it, it, I would have been nervous if Garth handed me the guitar and asked me to play it. <laughs> but, but short of that, no. But there had to have been a moment during all of that when you're going, oh, my God. I'm oh, sitting, I, I've got Garth Brooks, who's what? The best-selling solo album artist of all time in the U.S. Exactly. Then you've got Gladys Knight and the Pips. They, they, they themselves are an institution. Yeah. I mean, I would have been in heaven. Absolute oh, I, I was, I was. We had Robert Palmer, the late Robert Palmer. Oh. The Bee Gees performed Aretha Franklin. Marley Matlin was my co-host for a week, and Aretha Franklin was performing. Uh, oh, just a quick uh, note on that. So LL Cool J is our guest the week. Marley Matlin is my co-host. And, of course, Marley is a, a deaf deaf and yeah. an Academy Award winner. And her uh, her sort of translator, if you will, uh, Jack Jason always travels with her. So, so Marley was speaking in sign and Jack was translating in voice and LL Cool J sitting between Mar me and Marley and he's looking over at Jack and, and he finally looked at me and said, I don't know where to look. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible moments. And, you know, I, I want to, I, I do want to jump back because you had mentioned on Hollywood Squares, and I think I was so much a deer in headlights for the couple of years that I was working on that show that I didn't fully grasp. You did great. <laughs> um, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just how amazing some of those guests were that oh, we yeah. had on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you had mentioned, you know, you had on David Crosby. Ex tell me a little bit about that, because I don't think that was during my time. Oh, it, I would have remembered. Really? Because I, yeah, I think it was because it was when Whoopi was uh, Center Square. Um, oh. But but uh, we were staying at the same hotel, which uh, is now the I think it's now the Intercontinental in Century City. In yep. uh, it was the Park Hyatt back then. All of us uh, East Coasters would be put up at the Park Hyatt uh, to mm -hmm. for the taping. 
So I had just finished breakfast in the, in the restaurant. And I look over and there's David Crosby sitting by himself eating breakfast. And, uh, and I thought, well, he's going to be on the show later today. So I should go over and introduce myself. And so I went over, you know, it was like, it was like, it was surreal. It's like, I walk over, hi, David, I'm Tom. I'm going to be hosting Hollywood Squares later. So looking forward to having you on. And he was, he was charming. He was charming. You know, I just watched a documentary uh, about him and Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. And I Which was, documentary? Oh, it's on. There were some great documentaries on on Netflix. Uh, I forget the name of it, but it was all about uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, and then Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Okay, because it, it, fo- it focused on David Crosby, and the thing that amazed me, given how easy he was to talk to and how great he was on the show, he said none of the other members of uh, CSNY talked to him yeah. anymore. Yeah. So. Well, so in a previous interview, I I interviewed A.J. Eaton, who is the director of the Crosby biopic that came out last year. Remember my name. Oh, that's that's that, it. That's that it. Cameron Crowe uh, produced. Yes. 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 So we talked quite a bit about him. But I think the through line was that he was charming. And yeah. when you met him, I mean, yeah. did you have a... a um, an affinity towards that sound in the 60s, yes. the Laurel Canyon well, sound? It must absolutely. Have been as a DJ, because I started as a DJ when I was a senior in high school. So that would put me back to 1973. And, you know, those were the albums. I mean, you know, uh, Crosby, Stills and Nash, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, America. I mean, oh. you know, all those, all those great, but James Taylor, Carol King, uh, all the Joni Mitchell. Uh, all of the the Laurel Canyon uh, sort of core group uh, were just putting out incredible music during that time. And I was just starting my career in broadcasting in the early 70s while still in school. So, yeah, that was that was great. To, to I remember having the Tapestry album at home and just every cut was magical. I mean, it was just amazing. That, yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah, so so to be able to walk up to David Crosby after having started my broadcasting career playing his music and pretend that we're old friends, you know, <laughs> it was it was surreal. It really was. What a trip. Oh my yeah. gosh, I can imagine. And you had mentioned Garth Brooks, and I know you had told me that he invited you to a what was it, a listening party at mm-hmm. Capitol Records? First of all, okay. Just being in Capitol Records, to me, that's uh-huh. like walking into church. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. you get the opportunity to walk in, especially to Studio A, where Sinatra did all his recordings, or right. Nat King Cole. I mean, and they've represented everybody from the Beach Boys to the Beastie Boys. So just being in that building is yeah. so cool. By the way, and I'll go off on these tangents occasionally, but speaking of Sinatra, I had, when I appeared on The Masked Singer uh, in their earlier season this year, and I was the singing taco, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I sang a, a, a Sinatra song, Fly Me to the Moon, right. and had some of Sinatra's actual backup musicians play uh, on on that track for me when I when I sang "Fly Me to the Moon." Actual backup musicians yeah, from, yeah, they, from when? From you know the Capitol Records uh, days. Nineteen fifty six. Well, when he you know maybe his... maybe some of them were you know a little 
riper than that, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, hey, as long as they can still play. Yeah, exactly right. You know, they weren't blowing dust. Oh, that's incredible. So how yeah. was it to head over to Capitol Records? And oh, it was wonderful. And, oh, and a listening it was, party for Garth. It was at the taping for Hollywood Squares. Garth was on uh, the show that week, which is a day. We taped, as I mentioned, all five in a day, as you know. And and during the meal break, he said, hey, I'm having having some people over. I think it was that evening, actually, uh, Capitol Records. And I'm going to go through my forthcoming album and we play a track and I'll explain why I chose that track and who's backing me on it. And I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be there. You were a fan. Oh yeah. And uh, so I I was there. Uh, The late Dick Clark was there, Jay Mm -hmm. Leno, a bunch of other people. And and it was wonderful. We basically just sat around. I think they, they, they served some drinks and he'd, he'd play a cut or he'd set it up ahead of time and play it. And it was, it was, amazing to get into the whole creative process you know and to, and to find out why he did what he did in the course of putting an album together what an intimate group how many were you, yeah. were you? i don't think they probably 25 tops i would think you know it's a small uh, not a big group and and it, it made for easy conversation among us when we had questions or something about about tracks you know nobody nobody ventured a Really? You're going to put that out? That's okay. <laughs> you know, everybody liked it. <laughs> you don't do that to Garth Brooks. <laughs> no, no. He wanted our feedback, but, eh, you know, luckily it's it was great. all good. It was all good. <laughs> oh, man, what an experience being in there. I, I had taken a tour of... Um, a friend of mine had set up a private tour for me of Capitol Records, and mm-hmm. I, I just... I was blown away by everything that happened there. And you can really get the story of the building just through the pictures that are kind of lining the hallways. And then years later, I went back for Ringo's 77th birthday when he does the whole peace and love thing. Peace and love. Peace and love. Yeah. But but to be there for Ringo's birthday, when Capitol Records was from 1964 to 1967, they were the label representing the Beatles. They were the U.S. label representing the Beatles. So the history there with them, you know, it was just it was just really cool kind of synergistic, uh, synergistic day. So I have a sense memory, Amanda, of holding the album uh, Meet the Beatles when I was a kid. Uh, I would have been, what, eight or nine years old or something like that, uh, holding that album at my parents' home, the home I grew up in, in, in Haverhill, Massachusetts, and and then going to the Paramount Theater to see A Hard Day's Night. Oh. Uh, you know, the black and white. That yes. was, yeah, the black and white Beatles movie. And I remember it because it was just, you know, they were the biggest thing in music on the globe. And I was so excited sitting in the theater about to see their movie. Uh, and crazy Josephine, this woman who would sit in the balcony and throw candy at kids from the balcony. So I'm trying to watch the the Beatles. I'm getting beamed by uh, mints and stuff and goobers and raisinettes from the balcony. <laughs> crazy Josephine. <laughs> Try to watch the Beatles here. Try to watch the Beatles, Josephine. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Right when it came out. And yeah, yeah they've yeah. they've got another one coming out. It was supposed to come out last month and which would have been September 2020 um, with Peter Jackson. Uh, but oh, it's no been, kidding. Yeah, it's been postponed. So I heard. So I heard that could be rumor, but yeah, yeah. it's been postponed to 2021. Are so, there going to be hobbits in it? Any, I hope any, so. Yeah, that'd be great. 
Yeah, it's going to be like a Lord of the Rings, Beatles kind of, you know, a hybrid, hybrid thing. And they're into that. Right. So I think it'll be fun. Sure. <laughs> Did you see when James Corden, I think it was Corden, who uh, went back with Paul McCartney to his home in Liverpool, you know, Liverpool and all that? I didn't. Oh, my God. It was so good. And then he played this surprise concert at a little pub that he used to perform at when he was, you know, a young up and coming musician. Oh. It was, uh, yeah, it was like goosebumps time to watch that. Yeah. That's incredible. And I think yeah. it's it's hard now because, you know, especially with the recent death of uh, Van Halen, uh, oh, you know, Eddie, Eddie Van Halen, you see these guys, they're starting to fade away. Um, and yeah. to have memories of them, seeing them on stage when they were young, when they were getting big, when they were no one's. Those yeah. stories are fading away. The artists are fading away. The people that were yeah. there are fading away. And this is my, this is my attempt to capture some of that. Um, oh, that's, you know? that's so great. I'm hearing about going to see Hard Day's Night, come on, with Crazy yeah. Josephine and hey, the Andes. Crazy Josephine. I was watching a documentary. I haven't finished it yet, but I was watching it this morning before we started talking, and I'd recommend it highly. Herb Albert is... And it's on uh, just dropped, I think, uh, yesterday or recently. And, you know, talk about uh, a musician who is a consummate artist. And by that, he's a sculptor. He's a painter. He's he, he, he was a musical icon of the mid 60s. Uh, but it's it's fascinating, you know, to, to watch uh, the growth of artistry, as you're as you're mm -hmm. saying, and 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 also what artistry is like in somebody's autumn years as well. Mm. And to keep that keep that spark alive, which Herb Albert is is doing quite effectively, and and must be a challenge. I mean, you look at you know Keith Richards out there. I mean, he's looked like you know a walking corpse for the past twenty years, but he's still out there, <laughs> still, <laughs> and he still there. sounds good. Still, and still sounds good. You know, it's like everything else might not be working. I think Keith's doing okay, but for others, everything else might be work not be working. But as long as they can still put out the thing that they right. loved. And yeah, I think, yeah. and that speaks to, you know, you had mentioned Dick Van Dyke. You have always had a reverence yeah. for older comedians from Abbott mm -hmm. and Costello to the Three Stooges to right. God, you name it. And not only have you had a reverence for them, you've actually gotten to know some of them pretty well. Yeah, Dick Van Dyke yeah. being one of them. And I know you yes. had an awesome music moment with him. I did. I did. Uh, I, I met uh, Dick years ago through my friendship with Carl Reiner, Carl who created the Dick Van Dyke show and who, the character of Rob Petrie really was based on Carl's career as a comedy writer and performer with Sid Caesar on your show of shows going back in the 50s. So Carl appeared on my talk show in Boston in maybe 1991. He was promoting a book. The two of us just clicked. We hit it off and that led to a friendship that lasted until his, you know, his death a few months ago. And through him, I, I met Dick and he and I became really good friends. So uh, when when uh, I was recently um, uh, fired, as a matter of fact, from that uh, footwork with the famous show, um, I went over to Dick's house and the two of us uh, did dueling Stan Laurel impressions, which uh, I popped onto my Instagram account. But a few years prior to that, when he was uh, launching uh, a sort of an art center to help young uh, performing artists, he asked me if I would host the event. 
And uh, I think we did it down in San Bernardino. But at one point, because he sings with an acapella group called the Fantastics, <laughs> he, he asked me on stage two and all of us sang from Mary Poppins, Let's Go Fly a Kite. And I have to tell you, Amanda, there was a moment I'm standing to the left of Dick Van Dyke. We're all singing a song from Mary Poppins. And I don't think you ever stop being the younger version of yourself. No. Uh, and and the younger version of Tom, who grew up absolutely idolizing this man and his, you know, his creative uh, mentor, really, Carl Reiner. And to be able to sing along with Dick Van Dyke on stage, it was, I may have had an erection. <laughs> I'm not I think it could have happened I know what you're saying I was, I was off to the side which is so many feelings culminating oh, into one yes, moment yes. oh my exactly. god a childhood hero or idol and yeah. you're singing let's go fly a kite you just know that song I, through osmosis, yeah. if you're if you're a kid that right. wasn't even exposed to Dick Van Dyke or Mary Poppins, you know the song. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood, uh, not Hollywood Square. Excuse me. Jumping to Dancing with the Stars, you had a lot of folk songs. Yeah. Oh were yeah. There, yeah. Were, Stevie were, Wonder. We did a whole Stevie Wonder night, and Stevie Wonder was there. And uh, and it was great because I was on stage with him. He, he played a number right at the start of the show. And I came out and, and welcomed him uh, to this special evening. And he said, uh, oh, I watch this show every week. And the audience kind of, you know, because he's blind. And the audience <laughs> was a little kind of didn't know what to do. And I said, and he's the only one who can make that joke. And then everybody, <laughs> and then everybody relaxed a little bit. <laughs> Oh my God! What did he play? Everything. I mean, you know, every every dance was to a Stevie Wonder song. Some, he, I think, he played in one or two of them, but okay. a lot of them, you know, our our band did that, or it was a track. Um, but yeah, he was there for the whole thing, and just you know, that, that was the thing that uh, amazed me. Rod Stewart was on uh, Dancing with oh. the Stars. Um, and just totally charming. Uh, Celine Dion had the dressing room right across the hall from me when she was on, and she was lovely. And uh, and when I remember, two things I remember about her appearance. Number one, uh, I get a knock on my dressing room door, and it's her and her husband. And, and they wanted to tell me how much they all loved America's Funniest Videos because they watch it as a family uh, at the time. I thought, well, that's good. And then... She gets on stage just to do a sound check, you know, just to, just to go through the perfunctory uh, checking to make sure everything's fine. And she knew all the dancers by name, and so they're all in heaven. And then she just does a little vocal check. And, uh, I mean, we, we had Whitney Houston there, and, you know, sadly it was towards the end of her life, so her voice wasn't what it once was. But Celine Dion, holy crap. I mean without even trying. She didn't even need a microphone. It was, it was magical. It was magical. It really was. To be there. Oh, to be there. Those are some amazing moments. Yeah. The things you see, and you don't really (laughs) think anything of it because, you know, you're there hosting the show and you can, you can feel like, Hey, this was a great moment, but I almost think 
Yeah. It's afterwards when you're reflecting back that you go, holy right. crap, I oh, was I got there. What, one that just occurred to me. So I drive up to the, the studio and I'm walking to my dressing room and one of the staff goes, oh, Tom, have you been on set yet? I said, no, why? I just got here. Well, Dolly wants to say hi. Dolly Parton was our, our musical guest. So I walk in to the set and she sees me and she goes, Tom, I just love it when they put your head on other people's video. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah, well, it was it was a running bit for years that we did on the video show. And she said on the tour bus, that was always their favorite thing when, you know, <laughs> they'd put my big old bobblehead on, on other people's video. But that, that was my greeting. My greeting from Dolly Parton was the, the, kind of like me greeting David Crosby, that kind of weird energy that we, we know each other. You know each we've other. Never met before. And that's the that's an interesting exchange, you know. You're in each other's lives peripherally, and then you get to meet each yeah. other, and that's what's so awesome, yeah. you know. Kind of meeting people yeah. where they are. Um, and I was talking when I was talking yeah. to uh, remember my name director about that. I said you got to have a conversation with David Crosby about Laurel Canyon in Laurel Canyon, and you got yeah. months and months and months to do it. You know, it wasn't like yeah. I got two minutes to interview you. They came together and it was just very natural and um, you see a different side of people and you get to hear things that you normally Isn't wouldn't hear. There, so. Yeah. There's a moment in that documentary, I think, where where they are, are basically standing outside the house, right, where so mm -hmm. much of the musical magic happened on Laurel Canyon and, mm -hmm. and uh, David Crosby. I, I don't know if they didn't dare to go in again or what, but they were standing kind of like in the driveway just yeah. looking at the... Into uh, Joni Mitchell's a, house from our house. Yeah, I think that's it has what it, was. Yeah. it has new owners now. So I think it probably would have been breaking and entering. But otherwise, yeah, yeah. it's nice to yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. I don't think anybody would mind, but it's nice to to yeah. at least have that memory. Here's a, little, here, here's a little side note just off the beaten track. So this is a an IPA called Modern Times, right? Yeah. It's delicious, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but um, I have no sponsorship uh, deal with them. The reason I first drank it is because it's the name of a Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, that's why I, I picked it up. And then it happened to be good. But, you know, Chaplin himself was a wonderful musician. You know that song, Smile? Yeah. Uh, yeah, of course. He wrote that. He wrote that. That's all his composition. Yeah. I don't think I knew that. Yeah. See? Music IPA memory. Yeah. Well, just pop culture memories in general, you're the man to come to. I, I thought go. I was there good, but you've got music and film and TV oh. covered. Gosh. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I'm good I, at Trivial Pursuit. No kidding. That I know about <laughs> you. No kidding. Um, and I want to be mindful of your time and not take up too much time. But so, so you had mentioned that you'd gone to see a hard day's night, but what was your first concert, Tom? Okay. You're going to hate me. I, uh, I think my first concert, I am not a big concert person. I think my first concert was when I took my wife and I took our youngest daughter to see, uh, in sync and pink. Oh, good Lord. I don't know what to do yeah. with that. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. 
Okay, well, you're not a big, you're not a big concert person. Maybe I'll no. just cut that out of the. <laughs> no, that's all right. No, I think I think let's keep it all in warts and all. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. Chance to redeem yourself. Okay. <laughs> One of the first rock albums you ever bought. One of the first rock albums I ever bought. Well. You know, I, I don't actually, I mean, apart from the Beatles, I probably mm-hmm. had a Rolling Stones, but I preferred the Beatles over the, over, you know, not that there was yes. really a rivalry. I mean, even Mick Jagger would say, they went, well, no, where do we, we're not rivals, uh, but uh, they hung out together. And I think the Beatles actually even gave the Rolling Stones a tune early on. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I think the media... The media would yeah. love to pit them against each other. Like these are the right. boys that you bring right. home to your parents. And these are the boys yeah. that you see on the side. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're, when you're crawling out your bedroom window at 11 yes. o'clock at night, go off with Mick Jagger. Yeah. You're going to see a stone. You're going to see a stone. Uh, but, you, uh, you, bring Paul, you bring Paul McCartney home for Thanksgiving dinner. That's yeah. exactly <laughs> it. And I think that's how they were. They were pitted against each other, but they were yeah. actually all quite friends. But people tend to have, yeah. You know, they ask that. It's a question. Oh, Beatles or Stones? And it's one and the same. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that was, but music. that was the first. I think the Meet the Beatles was probably the first, uh, the first album I had. Yeah, I would have been around nine, I guess, at that point. And, uh, you know, and then, then in high school, again, I was in radio. So I, I was, I could get stuff for free at the radio station. So, you know, I, I was, I was playing it, you know, I was playing anything from a big band show on Sundays to a rock music show on Saturday nights to, you know, it was, oh, uh, awesome. it was like having an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> that's so great. You have, you still have any of that vinyl or no? Um, yes, I do. Not here in California with me, but we have a, a property uh, back East and I've got it. Yeah. I've, a lot of it's comedy albums, to be honest yeah. with you, but, no, no. but yeah. Do have do have uh, Steely Dan was great when I was in radio. Remember in New Hampshire, if I if I had to go to the bathroom and it was going to be a while, uh, I put on Steely Dan. <laughs> the jam <laughs> sessions. Yeah, the jam, yeah, they just go. Stairway to Heaven's good. Or uh, uh, Grateful Dead. (laughs) Grateful Dead. Well, there was one night, because we had this radio station I worked at in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which uh, just, uh, I still visit when I'm back. I hang out with the morning team there. But there was, uh, there is a McDonald's diagonally across Route 1 from the radio station. And I was the only one in the studio from 7 to midnight. And I was hungry. And so I, I remember putting on, I think it was Steely Dan, and kept the radio on in my car and did the drive through window at McDonald's hoping <laughs> the record wouldn't skip. <laughs> did, you, did you get your, your burger? Oh, yeah. yeah, I got back. I got back in time. You, and you ate it. And then you ate yeah. it. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Wow. Tom, you are a wealth of stories. Oh, oh okay. thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and being on. I know you're back to back today, but I appreciated, uh, you know, yes, all I'm, the I'm stories. Going to, after we're done, I'm playing Celebrity Jeopardy against Jolie Fisher for some of the residents of the Motion Picture Television Fund in Woodland Hills. 
where years ago, my, one of my first celebrity interviews, I was in my hometown and I called and talked to Larry Fine of the Three Stooges, who gave me Moe's telephone number. But that's a story for another time. And I want to hear that story. Right, <laughs> Tom, I don't know thank how you. We, I don't know how we'll weave music into it, but we'll find a way. Maybe it's a spinoff podcast. I don't know. Maybe I'll start one. Go. Stranger things have happened. God, Indeed. but thank you. Thank you so much. Good luck on Celebrity Jeopardy. I know you're going to crush it. Thank you. <laughs> we'll talk Amanda. soon. You. you take care. You, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining, guys. If you liked this episode, share a pic on Instagram and tag me. Send me a message to let me know what you liked or what you want to hear more of, or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to head over to LA Woman Rocks on Instagram for some great classic rock photography. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.